Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode Number 4. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation, as the Pittsburgh Steelers chugging right along at training camp of 2023. Friday night lights practice is tonight. Hopefully, they're calling for some rain, some storms, but fingers crossed we'll have it because it has not occurred since 2019. So really looking forward to that. Uh, Dave, how you doing? Football's back. A Hall of Fame game last night. Yeah, absolutely. That was, uh, you know, entertaining to at least be around for, for, for the start of it. It's something new. We've been making good time lately with the uh, special edition podcast and all. And uh, man, what's the what's what's the weather going to be Friday night? I, <laughs> I'm worried for all those people. They haven't had a real Friday night lights practice in in some time. And you know, I hope they were I hope they're able to get it in uh, tonight. Because I remember last year, I think even uh, the great David O posted some pictures of throwback to last year. All of y'all huddled up uh, <laughs> uh, underneath an umbrella or two up there. And obviously, I think that was right before the deluge came in and uh, lightning and, and, and you had to start hitting the parking lots there so uh we'll keep our fingers crossed that they can get in practice number eight i guess for the public here and uh i guess that means at this point we're more than halfway through 2023 training camp right pretty wild for sure assuming they do hold friday night lights it should be really jam-packed because i think people are itching for to get back out there to the high school backs on backers should take place tonight it's going to be a really fun environment provided that the weather holds up hopefully the lights stay on unlike tom benson stadium last night lights going off there in the fourth quarter do you have any just not that we're looking and taking too much stock into a browns jets preseason game but a because it's the browns did you have any sort of thoughts on on that game uh, I thought, uh, uh, DTR, uh, uh, what, no D what's his initials? D- yeah. DTR. Dorian yeah, Thompson. DTR, yeah. Uh, I thought he, uh, did some interesting things in that game, uh, showed some of, some of the stuff that I think that we briefly talked about ahead of, uh, the draft and all like that. I, I thought that who was there, the first running back for the Browns in that game? John uh, Kelly. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Kelly did some interesting things in there. I didn't get a chance to focus much on, on offensive defensive line stuff like that. I mean, there was obviously a lot of sloppy play in there. Uh, a lot of penalties, uh, you know, you see some illegal formation stuff and along that like that, but, uh, there were, uh, and then Izzy, you know, Izzy had the uh, mm-hmm. first touchdown run, I think for, uh, the jets so is going to be interesting to watch his career path going forward, but just loose kind of observations like that. Yeah, my only big takeaway, and I think, yeah, DTR, anytime you have those mobile quarterbacks, those guys generally seem to stand out because they can make so many plays with their legs. I thought they won Jones, Brown's right tackle taken in the fourth round. thought he looked good overall. Um, he looked better of, from a physical standpoint, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, the report is in Cleveland, and I don't know exactly how true that it is, but he apparently has lost some weight as he headed into his first training camp. But yeah, I thought he looked good. If he can, if he can keep his weight under control and just really focus on football, then they may have something there in day one Jones. I still think uh, if he ever gets in, into a starting position or whatnot, and has to, I think Watt's going to get him all he wants. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> At least for a while. Yeah, no, I understand that. All right, Dave, let's jump into some Steelers talk. Obviously, we'll talk about camp here a little bit, but try to discuss some non-camp news since we talk about training camp so much in the special edition episodes of the podcast. Dave, with Pittsburgh, safety is really kind of struggling to be on the field right now. No Mika Fitzpatrick, no DeMonte Casey, no Keanu Neal for Thursday's practice. Pittsburgh working out a slew of defensive backs on Thursday. As of this recording on Friday morning, none have signed, but that is very much subject to change. Ben DeLuca, Jalen Elliott, Joshua Kalu, John Reed, and Jace Whitaker all working out. Kalu may be the most notable name on that list. Has played a, a fair amount in the NFL. So we'll see if Pittsburgh adds an additional safety for 
maybe before tonight's practice. Yeah, that's going to be, the, I think, the thing to watch prior to practice. We talked about that on the special edition podcast uh, on, on, on Thursday night there. Uh, you've got so many safeties banged up right now on this roster. Well, you know, a couple of banged up, then obviously uh, – the, the, you know, whatever's happening with, with Mika Fitzpatrick there. And, you know, you're starting to get kind of worried about, you know, what's this personal situation that's, you know, uh, keeping Minka away for so long the, you know, the thing is, is it, you know, you're almost, you're 99.9% sure. It's not injury related, uh, unless he tripped on some stairs, you know, after, after after the condition you know, well after the conditioning run uh was, was was done and all like that because look if if he had been dealing with an injury of any kind and needed any kind of uh procedure upon arriving to 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 training camp he would have been placed on uh on on active pup end of the story you know mm-hmm. uh just like it was last year with him and and what was it the wrist injury there uh getting put put on the football uh active football in non-football injury uh list and all like that those those are what those lists are for uh just just more as a precaution there so uh and and correct me if i'm wrong he didn't even practice he hasn't practiced yet so it's not like he was out on the practice field and got hurt there and he's having to overcome something unless once again, he's walking down, down the stairs. You know, but I mean, Mike Tomlin, I think man, has made it clear at this point, it's a personal mm-hmm. situation. So uh, I, I don't think it's anything more than that. Obviously you'd like to have him on the field, you know, sooner rather than later here, but I mean, you got an experienced guy in that, but you know, on top of that, now you've had Casey with the ankle, Lord knows what's going on with Keanu Neal. I don't think Mike Tomlin has officially revealed what that is. I think you, you, you reported on uh, Thursday that he looks fine. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, that we, we don't know what's going on uh, with him. And, you know, you can imagine that, you know, those three of Minka, Casey and Neil will all miss the Friday night uh, light session. So that leaves you with just a smattering of, 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 of safeties on a roster. So, uh, it'll, it will definitely with them bringing in five on Thursday, then I, I'll be a bit surprised if they don't have another safety on the roster by the start of practice. But as Mike Tomlin likes to say, one man's misfortune is another man's opportunity. And there's been plenty of opportunity for the likes of Trey Norwood for Kenny Robinson. I think both those guys have impressed in coverage and Norwood, I think, has shown improvement in willingness to tackle and to hit. It's reps for Miles Killebrew, who's really locked in as that special teamer, but still chances for him to to get some time as well. Um, And so, yeah, they certainly would not be surprised if another if another safety came in. But. I think the guys that are getting work right now, the increased reps, especially Robinson and Norwood, are guys that are getting those extra opportunities to to play, and they're both playing well. Yeah, look, I mean, a guy you know like Kenny Robinson ahead of training camp, you know, neither one of us really had him circled. I mean, he you know in my ninety uh, for thirty series and all like that, I made sure to to denote you know, that he does have NFL experience and, uh, what was he a former, what fifth rounder, I think with the Panthers, uh, and you know, his played, you know, I think over a hundred defensive snap and snaps in the NFL. And, uh, I think closing in on 200 special team snaps, but you know, not enough there, especially with the way this, uh, safety depth chart was looking ahead of training camp that that would make you think, well, you know, Kenny Robinson could slide onto this roster, but it just goes to show you some, sometimes that, uh, the opportunities, how they do present themselves, uh, once training camp gets underway. And I thought Mike Tomlin had a, 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 a great quote in that interview with uh, Bryant McFadden and Patrick Peterson uh, just a few days ago, talking about how, how it's his job to, to uh, do you have that quote in front of you? Something uh, to the effect that let these guys live out their dreams. Is that what you're, you're yeah, getting? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I thought that was a great quote and, you know, uh, he, he wakes up every morning with, with, you know, the goal of giving those guys every opportunity to make the roster in, in so many words. And the way you do that is through competition, I think was the other tag on uh, that, that, that he used on that. And look, I, I, I believe Mike Tomlin with that. And, and I think his actions have shown that over the years with, several of these undrafted guys making the roster or first year guys, or look, Jordan uh, Dangerfield just uh, retired, right? 
mm-hmm. know, uh, what a great story that was with him. You know, a, a, a Townsend product was kind of was he a, was he a rookie the first time that he was uh, made made a roster? Did it take a couple of years for him? He initially signed with Buffalo coming out, but he right. quickly made his way to Pittsburgh a year or two later. So I forget the exact timetable, but he did not initially sign with Pittsburgh uh, for the record. Right. And he didn't initially make a 53 man roster as a rookie. Right. With with with, with Buffalo. That sounds right. Yeah, uh, cor- correct. Correct. So what, what I'm getting at is I, I, I do believe Mike Tomlin when he says, you know, now look, some of these guys I think are kind of obvious, you know, aren't going to, but I, I, I truly believe that he wants to give them every opportunity to succeed, uh, especially early on in training camp and that no doors are closed because you don't know what's going to happen injury wise and all like that. And anyway, circling this back to Kenny Robinson, uh, this is a guy that before camp, we we weren't really talking about other than writing about him in the 90 and 30 series. And here we are now uh, on, the, on, on the halfway point of training camp. And you really got to wonder if he might have a shot at being, you know, let's say if they kept five safe, five, five safeties on this roster, if he, he has a good shot at being one of them. That's the road I wanted to take you down. Let's try to map things out. And I thought we're writing this in stone, but cornerback safeties who do you think gets kept right now Corey Trice's season is over I mean obviously the safeties that are hurt right now they should be good to go for week one and and Casey and Neil and Fitzpatrick you know to to our knowledge right now will be ready for week one so what is your kind of projection of how things look right now a week into this this camp well look the the question every year when you're setting the 53-man roster is is it going to be four safeties is it going to be five uh, that kind of thing. So, uh, and I think we're both almost to the point of barring injury when Miles Killerbrew, and, and we had said this long before too, uh, special teams captain or bust for him, really. Uh, and with him being uh, working as the up back and stuff like that, it it, it, it really feels like Miles Killerbrew is going to be on this roster. Now, if you want to qualify him on positionally as a safety, fine, go ahead. But Let's face it. We don't want to get see any situation where Miles Killebrew has to play any meaningful snaps on defense for this team. And even if he did, he's going to be more of a, a strong safety box type anyway there. So let's let's throw him out of the picture and put him on the roster as a special teamer. And then let's let's construct the, the uh, let's assume four other safeties make it. Well, you know, Minka, Casey. And Neil, all of, if 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 healthy, are going to be three of those. You would think so. That leaves right. one uh, one other uh, there. And I guess the thing is, do you because and circling back to break glass in case of emergency with Killebrew being he's more of a strong safety type. You would maybe think that the 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 fourth true safety would be more free safety slanted. However, comma one that could potentially be physical enough. To, to be a little position flexible and help you on special teams if you had to dress them. So then that, to me, leads me down the path of talking about Kenny Robinson or Trey Norwood. And at least, I mean, you've seen Norwood do some things, I think, that that have him moving in the right direction at camp, but I haven't seen that. I'm I'm mm. having I'm having to listen to that through your eyes, if that makes sense. And until I see that present itself on in the preseason on tape, then um, I'm I'm still in the kind of Mac corner. So I, I guess with you where you're leading me down is, is based at, and I, you know, other than his Carolina tape, I haven't seen Kenny Robinson in, in a Steelers uniform either, but uh, based on listening to your eyes, I would think I would have Kenny Robinson sneaking in if they kept kind of five true safeties with, with Casey being the, you know, a special teams captain. I mean, not Casey, uh, Killebrew mm-hmm. being a special teams captain. That's, that's where I think I'm at heading into Friday night lights. And obviously a lot can change. Okay, that's fair. I think both guys are really going to compete hard for that final spot. And Robinson is a little bit bigger, a little more, bit, a little bit more well built, and probably a bit more physical. But I think Norwood has improved there, and that's really important for him. Norwood can play some slot corner though, and that gives him some maybe a leg up on versatility. Robinson kind of seems a bit more locked in at safety. Okay, I mean, fa- fair enough. I mean, they're they're. they're- 
there is a there is definitely a competition between mm-hmm. those two. I believe potentially for one spot if they keep kind of four true safeties and Miles Killebrew as a as as an extra you know special special teams ace and all. So, so what about corner? So we you kind of mapped out your five well, safeties. Yeah, where does can you still keep six corners along with five? "Quote unquote safeties." Yeah, I, I I think you can. Uh, now, where's the other position? Where where are you going to pull that extra position from? Because I think in my fifty three, my my pre camp fifty three, I had I think six corners and four safeties. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I believe that's right. Uh, there and and with 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 Killebrew being safety number four. So could you make? six corners and five safeties work. Absolutely. You can. I think they've done it, you know, obviously before and all. So I would be Patrick Peterson, uh, Levi Wallace, uh, Joey Porter, Jr. Uh, James Pierre. Now that, uh, Trice is, you know, not that, uh, uh, Pierre probably wasn't going to make it, but I think the Trice injury pretty much almost mm-hmm. solidifies that. So that's four, uh, Where's my, I get, you know, the way you've been talking about Elijah Riley since camp's open, you know, I view him. I think I view him more now and see, that's something else to talk about in, 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 you know, that he can provide you some emergency safety depth as well too, uh, there, but I'm, I'm since camp has gotten underway, I view Elijah Riley more as a, a slot player than I do safety at this point. So I, and I, it feels like he might be, kind of the leader in the clubhouse maybe uh when it comes to non patrick peterson usage in a slot if that makes sense there so that would be five uh number six do you have to carry a number six you could obviously but there's it could be a sullivan yeah uh I'm, I'm in a to be determined category still because before camp too, I thought that there's still a good chance that there might be an outside guy on the roster there, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so you could go five and five though, five corners, five safeties. Yeah, I suppose you can. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm If you got the versatility of, uh, uh, you know, uh, of, 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 of some guys that are slot capable there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's definitely a discussion of either, either going six and Six and five or five and five. Right. And so if if you kept those five corners, your slot corners, you're saying Elijah Riley, early down corner, Peterson moves to the slot in passing situations. Yeah, and, but it still feels like you're going to need one more in there, uh, one more corner in there that, that could be slot capable. How many did uh, they have last year? They only had two, right? Millett and Sutton. Who else could play slot okay. last year? I mean, I guess Norwood, you know, in theory could but right. he didn't do much of it the back half of last year right yeah look i mean it's something to watch and that you know the, the i guess the question then becomes is, is if it became six and five six corners five safeties where does that other position come from i think i had them uh didn't i have did i have 10 offensive linemen so i think the obvious obvious place to pull from would be offensive linemen if you needed an extra roster spot like that for for a defensive back you had as backup linemen on your roster as like more clear backups, uh, Nate Herbig, Ryan McCollum, Kevin Dotson, and LaRaven Clark. Who's getting the heave ho if you had to remove one of those names? Yeah, I mean, the way you're, and once again, it's I'm not having, Herbig, I'll tell you that. Right. And once again, uh, not being at camp, I'm having to go through your reports and your eyes here. It really is feeling like Herbig might be your, you know, uh, quintessential, you know, swing guy, backup, uh, 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 classic swing guard, uh, you know, swing interior guy altogether. In other words, uh, it feels like he might be headed towards being the backup center and, and playing both backup guard spots there. Uh, what do you need Ryan McCollum for at that point? You know, so if to me, it would feel like why, why keep McCollum uh, and that would still allow you to keep an, an, an additional inactive, maybe tackling, let's say a, a Raven Clark, if Spencer Anderson can't, can't make the club. 
Okay, that's fair. Yeah, just to kind of go back to this, the, the DB conversation where I'm at now and things can and likely will change at safety. If it made me fill out my roster today, I'd say Minka, Casey, Neil, Killebrew, and I'm going to go Norwood over okay. Robinson. Although I think it's, as you said, a very much a, a competition between those two. At corner, I would have it similar. I think maybe the same to you and Peterson, Wallace, Porter, Pierre, and Riley will consider Riley a corner. And then I might stop there with five. The possibility of a number six is on the table. Sullivan may have that advantage being the veteran slot corner, but I would probably stop at that that fifth guy being Elijah Riley right now. Okay. All right. Uh, fair enough. Uh, and look, you know, that's why we do the pre-draft, the pre-camp 53s and then kind of work off of what, what, you know, develops in camp and, and the preseason there. So, uh, uh, it, you know, and then that's why with the offensive line, I, I really deemed it important to kind of uh, pay pay close attention to those line rotations, especially the back. I've been harping on who's going to be the backup center since, you know, uh, since the draft. And and it, it's fun to watch that play out. So, look, uh, there are several roster spots, obviously, still up for grabs in this thing. And, not, and, and the third running back position, I think, is one of them. Although, well, it, it is in the sense that, that that it McFarland or somebody not on the roster. field. Yeah, because right. I don't see any internal option right now, even coming close to threatening Anthony McFarland. So unless somebody comes in off the waiver waiver wire, which is possible, then it's going to be Anthony McFarland as that third running back. But to me, it's no longer an internal competition. And look, if you kept the extra safety, especially one that could help in special teams, who who, who would you keep between? If you needed special teams help right now, uh, between two guys, Kenny Robinson. And and Trey Norwood, who 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 are you keeping? Well, I haven't seen much of Robinson on special teams yet. I mean, I I know he did some in Carolina. Did he block a punt? Was that him that blocked the punt as a Panther, or was that um Madre Harper? I always get those two guys mixed remember. up from their their resume. Norwood, I'm encouraged by what I've seen so far, but he was not a good special teamer last year. I do think Robinson, like I mentioned earlier, is more physical, so I may lean. Robinson on that, but I really want to get eyes on how Norwood looks and his physicality, his tackling this summer. And look, if you had a guy like Riley that ends up making the, the roster, he can specialty. Well, I guess mm-hmm. what I'm getting at is you can make up the lack of, uh, although man, you sure like that third running back to play at least on one team situation, right? Yeah, that's true. That's the issue with McFarland. He's like, if he's a backup running back, he, you know, he can be a talented runner, but how useful is that unless and until Harris or Warren goes down? I mean, yeah, and that's what I'm getting at. I mean, are you are you going to keep three running backs and make and give him a helmet every week just to stand on the sideline <laughs> right. in case your top two running backs go down? And that that's just not proper, that's not great roster construction, if you ask me. Now, without a doubt, and it's really because he's got no other competition, it feels like at this point, it's not his fault, and he's doing everything that's asked for him. He's having a great camp and all like that. But unless he, to me, and he even said this way back several weeks ago, he he has got to he's got to be able to play on at least one 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 special teams unit. It feels like. I mean, maybe he could do kick returns. Not that there's a ton of value there, but if that is one thing he could do. It, it could be that, I guess. Right. We'll we'll see whether he gets those op- opportunities in the preseason here. But uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see where to here. Let's talk about Quan Alexander. Contract details finally announced for him signing a couple days into training camp and a pretty cheap deal for Quan Alexander. Yeah, it's a uh, it it matches the Marcus Golden deal, and I put that on Twitter a couple of days right after Quan was signed. That I that that it really felt like it was heading down uh, that that path with him, and that's indeed what the contract ended up being. It matches what uh, what 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 Marcus Golden got. Uh, the one year deal totals out at one point three one seven five million, and includes uh, the maximum uh, signing bonus uh, of one hundred fifty two. Thousand, right? I put one fifty-two in there in the post for some reason. Shame on me! I didn't put the five in there. It's a hundred fifty-two thousand five hundred uh, signing bonus with him. I'm going to change that post while I got it open right now uh, with him. And 
That's the maximum signing bonus allowed for it to qualify as a veteran benefit contract. Uh, so he'll have a reduced cap charge of 1.092 million uh, overall with that. So, I mean, this is your inside linebacker version of Marcus Golden, if you will, albeit a little bit. Uh, uh, he turns when he, his birthday was yesterday. 28. Yeah. yeah, is he 28, 29 now? Yeah, I think he just turned one of the two, 28 or 20, <laughs> let's, let's use the power of the uh, internet to see. He turned uh, 29 yesterday. Okay, all right. And obviously, Golden's a little, little bit uh, little bit older than he is. But uh, look, I mean, uh, as, as I always like to say, yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with, 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 with signing veteran guys with experience to veteran benefit uh, contracts here. So very, very cheap uh, deal with him. And, and look, his, his deal last year with the jets was a veteran, veteran uh, benefit mm. deal as well too. Now it had more guaranteed money in it, but, but it, uh, cause I think they guaranteed a, a, a portion of his base salary along with it, but it was still uh you know, I think $152,500 signing bonus. They just guaranteed a little bit more in it. I don't think the Steelers guaranteed more than just the signing uh, bonus when it comes to him, but a, uh, a super cheap ad when it came, comes to Quan Alexander's contract. And we have an answer of at least, oh, oh let me put it this, this way. The, the streak of the post, whatever you want to say, OTA guys that make the 53 will continue with Alexander this year because he's making this roster, obviously. And the question is just about how much of a role he has defensively. He's going to find his way into this defense in some capacity. I don't know exactly how it's going to look, but he's going to be on this field come week one against the 49ers. And look, you got him in right near the start of camp. So he's got plenty of time to get on 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 the moving train, if you will. And yeah, uh, I fully expect him to make the 53-man roster. And I, 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 I'll continue saying I don't think they're done, Alex. I think uh, someone else, at least one or two more players not currently under contract with this team as of August the 4th will wind up on the 53 man roster. It just, you know, history tells you that that that's likely going to be the path here and uh, running back very well could be that position. You know, if it's not running back, do any other positions make sense? Obviously we can't predict injuries that I'm sure. I still occur. think slot. I think uh, you could look around at the slot corner situation. You know, I, okay. I, I think that could potentially uh, be your other spot. Now, outside of that, it doesn't feel like, uh, you know, other other than if you get if you get through the first couple of preseason games and maybe you don't like what you see out of a uh, 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 Herbig at center, then I think you explore that. But the thing is, we we talked about about this I think briefly on the podcast on the special edition podcast Thursday night. Man, you had Quisenberry go down in Houston with a uh, knee injury. Uh, you it makes you feel, and I don't know how, how many of those other guards that they have that might be center capable, but you know, who, who, who would be the better option? A, a, a Nate Herbig at, at backup center or a Jimmy Morrissey, even if he became available, you know, uh, I, I view Jimmy Morrissey and maybe a, 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 a tick above uh, McCollum, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but if, and, if, if Herbig, Herbig just... can play better guard, you know, mm-hmm. as long as Herbig looks competent at center, I think he should be the center. The only way they would go outside the organization is if Herbig just doesn't snap well and you just don't feel like he can, he can play there. So as long as Herbig holds his own, then he's probably going to be the guy. He's a smart guy. He's a Stanford mm-hmm. grad, right? So, right. I mean, you got to be pretty smart to go there. So um, you know, as long as he doesn't fall on his face, I think he's going to be this team's backup center. And here's the thing, too, going back to center. I mean, you look, I, I, we pulled up the depth charts around the NFL right before camp started and kind of going through, well, could this guy get cut? It just, it, it doesn't feel like the kind of guys that might be available via, you know, trade or, 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 or even cut last minute. It does, it doesn't feel like the, there's much quality there overall. So, Mamas, uh, let your babies grow up to be sinners, maybe. (laughs) What about tackle? What about tackle if uh, they wanted to have a fourth tackle and Raven Clark's not that guy because Clark's not had a good summer so far? Could that be maybe a surprise at somebody as a a reserve, but but a fourth tackle? still? I suppose, but it would be such a cheap player. Uh, And once again, I think you look around. I mean, heck, the the Titans just cut that... uh, uh, one of their guys that that I think has a little bit of experience for fight, create starting fights in camp. You know, mm-hmm. he he might become. I mean, he might look like a 
uh, a golden god once he hits waivers. Just be, isn't he the kid that has some experience? I don't know much about Jamarco Jones's football background other than he was trying to fight Jeffrey Simmons, which is a quick way to get yourself caught. He's probably played some. That sounds familiar. Maybe in Seattle or something. I can't remember. We'll use the internet again. Um, I, uh, yeah, I thought, he played in Seattle for seven starts. Okay. I thought he had a little bit of experience there. So, I mean, you look around uh, around the league. I mean, you still got Chris Hubbard that, that signed, I think, recently. I mean, those kind of guys are still – uh, you know, still getting contracts there. I guess where I'm get what I'm getting at here is is uh, come come week one the the you know what might be out there for you is it going to be that much better than a little Raven Clark? Sure, and Spencer Anderson is there. He's worked primarily sure. at right tackle. I mean, we talked about him and his versatility, and he's played both guard spots uh, occasionally, really on that Sunday practice, but. He's been right tackle uh, by and large. And so if you wanted to even cut Raven Clark, you know, Anderson could potentially uh, be a tackle option, although I don't think he's really going to be a left tackle possibility, but you have more in Jones there. So if you wanted someone more right right tackle focused, Anderson would make sense. I'm just kind of spitballing ideas right now. Yeah, I think uh, running back and I would I would I would probably rank them as as far as probability of ads from the outside still at this point potentially being slot and then uh, running back and then probably center. Okay, that's fair. Let me switch gears, give you a thought at cornerback. Whenever camp started, my thought was, okay, in base defense, it'll be Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson on the outside. And then in passing situation, Nickel Joey Porter Jr. will come on the field and Peterson will kick inside. I'm still confident Peterson will kick inside in plenty of those situations, but I'm beginning to think, is Joey Porter Jr. going to be the starting base corner opposite Patrick Peterson? And then Levi Wallace rotates in. Wallace has had a fine camp. I got no complaints with him. Porter's playing so well. Obviously, he's the draft pick. I'm beginning to wonder, will Pittsburgh find a way to get this guy starting snaps week one, not just rotational snaps week one. Well, I mean, I, well, I'm i going to have to defer to you on that because I, you know, I haven't seen a full practice or, 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 or guys like Joey Porter Jr. Uh, in, 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 you know, in a game situation yet. So, but I mean, I think it is evident that uh, halfway through camp uh, and, and, you know, another thing that I mentioned last night, I, I think it's a, an extreme positive that you're you're halfway through camp at this point, all the rigors that go along with it and trials and tribulations that rookies go through. And then a couple of days ago, uh, 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 Porter, you know, being being on the wrong end of the, the story, if you will, when it came to the Pickens catch and the fact that it's it, you know, it sounds like he had perhaps his best practice of training camp more than halfway through this thing. I think it's a real testament of fortitude and, and, and everything that you, that you have in him at this point. So uh, I think it's, it's an extreme positive that he, he, and it's not like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It's not like he's had an awful camp before yesterday's no. practice, right? No. And even, even in, in the, the, the one where pick and speed that catch poor still had a good practice, right. had a pick, you know, 10 minutes later and had a breakup on, on a throw to Pickens or at least forcing a completion in seven shots. So, Aside from Pickens making the most ridiculous catch, you know, of camp, I mean, which I don't even blame Billy Porter for, it was a good practice for him. I mean, so what I'm getting at is it's, it sounds like he's been continually on the rise, as Mike Tomlin would <laughs> say, from, from the start of camp until now. And 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 if that continues th- through the rest of camp and on into preseason, I I, you know, I think you have a great argument that that he could see uh, a good 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 amount of playing time right out of the shoot. Well, he's, he's definitely going to see that. The question is, could he, you know, technically be this team's yeah, starter? I, I think um, it's, I think it's, I think it's plausible at this point. The only concern and only counter that I'm having with myself is how much work has Porter really gotten at that right corner spot? It's been a lot of left corner, you know, when Peterson's been either kicked inside or gotten the day off. And so I don't know, I'd have to track it and certainly we'll be charting it in the preseason, how much right corner work he's gotten it's been more left side so that may be one issue with him trying to, to be that base corner because peterson's probably going to be more left side and porter um would have to become more right side so that might be an issue there but the point is that peter that porter's play is, is is coming on so strong that his role may be even bigger than we thought once drafted and we already kind of assumed his role would be pretty significant 
in year number one. And, and look, I, th- I think the rookie class overall, it, it, it sounds like heading into Friday Night Lights, you've got a, a lot of young players you know, in this draft class on the rise, right? Yeah, I, I think they're they're really, you know, I don't want to say peaking, but as you said, on the rise, whether it's Broderick Jones has put together some some solid practices when the Pats have been on. Uh, Porter, obviously, Benton making a play in two minute with a pat uh, pass bat down. Washington has been better once the pads have come on. So, uh, yeah, I would say overall, the, the rookies are, are very much holding their own. And then, you know, we've we've talked a heck of a lot about Herbig and, and what he I mean, he's obviously going to make the roster. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think, the only, unfortunately, obviously, Trice went down. So, you know, he he's out of the picture there. But uh, I don't think you can totally discount Spencer Anderson sliding in there somehow. If he if he can continue to make some progress and show some position flexibility. Sure. So happy with the rookie class overall. Obviously unfortunate with Trice, who himself was playing well before tearing his ACL. So at least you saw something from him and can at least think about that for next year. I want to just briefly mention George Pickens. You know what's the craziest thing about George Pickens making these unbelievable catches? His hands are not that big. They're eight and three quarters. He's got relatively small hands for a wide receiver, and yet he has just the, the craziest body control and knack for making these one-handed type of grabs. And so I think it's a minor footnote, but it really makes these plays even more impressive. If he was a guy with, you know, 10 and a half inch hands that are just massive, okay, you know, he can make some crazy catches, but his hands are, you know, they're, they're, they're Kenny Pickett sized. And so he's able to make these crazy plays like that is, uh, is pretty remar- remarkable. Well, look, if there's one thing that we learned about him prior to being drafted and uh, through his rookie season was the body control. He's got the body, body control of, of, of you know, uh, a smaller, a little bit smaller receiver there. Uh, we know he can make the uh, fan, fan tabulous catches down the field. I mean, he's done that time and time again, and he did that in college. So that's that's not surprising there. The the, the question about a tr- uh, a second year jump when it comes to George Pickens has always been about a the route you know uh, making the route tree more defined, becoming a better route runner overall, and then usage of him. Uh, in the offense moving forward. Uh, and I think he talked uh, in, in the interview a few days ago about how he thinks he's going to be used more, you know, digs and, 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 and slants and all like that. And if there's one thing that we pointed out, wrote about, talked about last year is they didn't do enough of that. They, they did, you know, the back shoulder throws to them. They obviously did the, 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 the go ball stuff and, and uh, a little lesser uh, comebacks and, 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 and curls. So uh, the jump that he's going to make would be him getting probably a lot more, you know, several more catches, uh, 10 or more yards, uh, close, you know, 10, 10 or, or fewer yards, uh, closer to the line of scrimmage and then on the move and being able to use, you know, ho- hopefully have some yards after a catch ability to get some extra catches and extra yards that way. Cause he's still going to have what he had, I, I believe as his rookie season to some degree, you know, with the, with, with kind of the back shoulder and, and sidelines, but can you get him involved with, with the football in his hands? Uh, more between the numbers. Sure. And I, I'm seeing signs of that this summer. We want to see it in games, obviously, but, you know, I think Pickens is beginning to round out this game and run a fuller route tree and that's going to improve his yak. It's going to make him more effective. It'll actually allow him to win better vertically when defenders can't just sit on that and expect him to run deep every time. And, and they have to defend the whole route tree. So all those things will make Pickens a better player, better receiver in this offense, uh, hopefully more potent. And what did Frisbee say recently was quoted like, you know, everybody's seen the YouTube stuff on him now and, and all like that. So, you know, they're, you know, it's not like he's going to sneak up on anybody as far as that goes, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, he, he does have to become a more rounded, rounded receiver. Yeah, it's just like a pass rusher who might have a great go to pass rush move. Can you have a counter off of that? And Pickens, if he can counter those vertical, you know, routes with digs or slants, whatever, you know, the expanded route tree looks like, then that's just going to make him a far more effective player. So it's it's the same parallel between a great pass rusher and a great receiver. Uh, real quick, uh, through, through your eyes, uh, Zach Gentry, is, is there still a meeting with the Bobs coming or no? I mean, where in terms are you? of what he does, yeah. <laughs> what what exactly do you do here, Zach Gentry? And I'm not I'm not discounting the guy. I think he's a, mm-hmm. I think he's a I think he's a very very funny guy. I think he's got a great attitude. Uh, but you know, 
if 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 Washington can come on and you know at by by the start of the season and and indeed get that you know second tight end spot if you will where does that leave Gentry in all this and you know it's still to some degree degree we've talked about the versatility of of Connor Hayward and look I'm I'm not convinced we're going to see a lot of true fullback situations with him back there anyway so Mm -hmm. uh if he is still kind of more h back and 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 split out and 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 versatile in that area and then becomes kind of a break glass in case of emergency into the line type you know tight end you know it's not like gentry does a lot you know on special teams I, i guess what i'm getting at is 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 how plausible is it that they carry just Firemouth, Washington, and Connor Hayward? It's possible. I would consider it more unlikely at this point. Obviously, Gentry's role and impact is going to be directly tied to the progression that Washington does or does not make. But I think even if, let's say, that Washington has a great rest of the summer, is clearly going to be this team's number two tight end and have serious playing time, Gentry would still get carried as a number three tight end and number four, whatever you want to call him, but but almost certainly inactive on game day. Because if Washington were to go down, they were to lose one of their top two tight ends, they want that big body type of blocker to be that guy that could step in because Pittsburgh wants and needs to be a run effective downhill physical type of team this year. And obviously Connor Hayward can't replace what Washington could offer you. So I think there's going to be value in Gentry just as kind of that break glass in case of emergency option as a number three, number four tight end inactive on game day. So it would be Fryermuth, Washington, and Hayward getting the hat over him, but Gentry there just in case he's needed if an injury were to strike. All right. Uh, no more questions, Your Honor. All right. The defense rests. Um, speaking of well, prosecution, uh, people unhappy with my Kenny Pickett comments yesterday, and I understand uh, that. Who, who anytime- would have thought that? Yeah, anytime I uh, have any sort of critique to a starting quarterback, you know, it's going to get some attention. And and, and I just thought he struggled yesterday. I I thought, you know, it's not all his fault. I said Pickett and the offense struggled. So it's it's yes. And it's not just Pickett, not just the offense. It's 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 both. And when you get when the defense wins seven shots, six, one, when you throw a pick in two minute, a couple other passes in team where I thought Pickett missed. And even in seven on seven, I thought there were some missed opportunities for Kenny Pickett. But Overall, I think Pickett's had a fine camp. I mean, it's not been bad by any means. I don't know if I've seen this, wow, look at the second year jump kind of thing, but it's still early. Get him inside stadiums, be able to evaluate quarterbacks a whole lot better then than where they're at right now. Um, he's been more confident. He's been more aggressive. He's shown kind of the leadership. And I just want to end by saying this for anyone who was concerned about, you know, my my note on Pickett struggling yesterday, you probably lost more sleep over it than I did. You kind of got to compartmentalize. It's one practice. Not his best practice. It's okay. You put it aside. They're practicing in a couple of hours on Friday night. So uh, it's not something where I wrote it and am freaking out internally. I wrote it. I thought he struggled. You put it to bed. It's, it should not be any sort of major deal. I promise you that. All right. All I, right. I, I obviously haven't. Have all, all I have seen is just uh, a smattering of, 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 of training camp videos, and that's it. So it's hard for well, at me this to point, have I, any I feel judgment. Like, you're probably watching camp as much as I'm watching camp with the way videos seem to get, get posted on Twitter. So yeah, um, but there's, you know how it is. I, yeah, I mean, there, I there, there's, I mean, and, and e- even you would agree, man, until we can get some all 22. I mean, mm-hmm. I have said all along that uh, I, I'm reserving, you know, uh, my next line in the sand judgment on Kenny Pickett until we get six games into this season, you know, uh, see him, you know, play more ball under the lights and stuff like that. And how much will we see him uh, in, 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 in the preseason? You know, what do we say? Preseason, the three game, three game stretch is probably going to be right around 200 offensive snaps in total. If you had to guess, right. 200 on, on the high side, let's say anywhere between 190 and 200 offensive snaps during the preseason. How many snaps are we going to see Kenny Pickett play? You know? Yeah, I don't know for sure. It depends on how the offense looks and some in-game type of stuff where Tomlin can be pretty flexible. I mean, you may see 50 snaps. I don't know. Does that sound about right? 50? 
Yeah, I mean, 50 to 60, probably somewhere along London. And look, uh, nothing's going to, to me. There's nothing inherently going to change. Any, look, he's going to be the starting quarterback. Uh, uh, we, we, we know that they're still probably going to look to build, you know, to, to be a bully ball type situation. They're, the def- For them to win 9, 10, 11 games in 2023, their defense is going to have to keep them in a lot of games. I'm not expecting them to put up. 30 points, you know, frequently throughout the season there. And then, you know, the biggest thing with, with, with Kenny Pickett is he's got to limit, obviously the turnovers, the, the interceptions, you got to limit the sacks and all like that. If they, if he can come out of these first six games with a, a Justin net yards, uh, 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 per average passing attempt stat of let's say 6.2 or something and the defense is playing well they're going to they're going to be in a lot of games and and I just think that that's the next step up the maturation process uh, for him and you know there's going to have to be some explosive play it's not you know, and we saw late last season, he was able to have some fourth quarter comebacks and all like that. There, there are going to probably be a couple of situations uh, prior to the bye where you're going to need him to drive him down the field for a win, you know? Uh, so, I mean, I, you, your job is to report what you see in a single day right. and, not, and not draw long, long conclusions from it. And, and, and you have it. Yeah, and if I do draw conclusions, I'll let you know when they become conclusions. I, I say that Kenny Pickett struggled the way that I might say the backup, you know, fourth string cornerback might struggle. I take it in the same one day snapshot. I'm still comfortable and confident and feeling good about Pickett and this offense's ability to make a jump in year number two. How big of a jump will it be? We'll have to see, but I think they position themselves well to have real tangible improvement this season. That that that's the bottom line. And if he has a good first six weeks, people will come at you and say, uh, are you ready to eat crow about, <laughs> about, about Kenny Pickett? <laughs> you know, uh, and look, I, I think I think what's what what you're passing along on on a guy like even Nick Herbig is, is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I, I I was firmly in the camp that I wondered if he'd be able to stay on the outside. Uh, uh, moving forward, uh, I'm not to the point yet where I'm saying, well, he can definitively stay on the outside, but I mean, we got to see him in game situations and all like that. But I mean, the reports obviously have been very positive of, about a guy uh, like Nick, Nick Herbig, where we had a, uh, a pre-built, uh, you know, kind of, uh, uh, analysis on him wondering if he could stay outside. And that's why you have to appreciate a team like the Steelers saying, hey, let's try you at the thing you've been doing for the last four years. And if it doesn't work, okay, we can move you, but let's try you at the position that you played as opposed to automatically moving you. And so that was the thought with Herbig and with Corey Trice and, um, you know, good on Pittsburgh for for giving those guys the opportunity. All right. Uh, Where else here? Uh, one note here, since this is a Hall of Fame weekend, Hall of Fame game last night, the induction ceremony at noon tomorrow. I, I didn't realize this, but they had moved it from the evening and to, to noontime. And uh, interesting uh, commentary here from Rondé Barber, who will be part of the induction ceremony. He was part of the broadcast last night, getting interviewed during the Hall of Fame game. And there was a question asked about Mike Tomlin, who was his DB's coach from 2001 to 2005 in Tampa Bay. And Barber heaped a lot of praise on Tomlin about his impact. And when Tomlin was hired in 2001, Barber went from, you know, a decent corner to leading the league in, in, in interceptions and still holds the Bucks single season record with 10 interceptions in that 2001 season. They're still best friends. According to Barber today, they've still hung out uh, a ton. Barber's daughter now goes to William and Mary where Tomlin played his college ball. And it seemed like Barber was uh, pretty much heavily implying that Tomlin will be there for the uh, Hall of Fame weekend, and I assume the induction ceremony, which is notable because the Steelers practice tomorrow at 1.55 on Saturday, and the induction ceremony begins noon on Saturday. So will Tomlin miss camp? I don't know for sure, but that seemed to be the direction Barber was going. I, I don't know if I've looked and seen the order of who speaks to. Does Barber speak early? Do, do you know? or I can check, but unless he's speaking after a long three-hour intermission, I don't think Tomlin would get there if he's going to be there at... Uh, practice let's see what the uh order is if i can try to well real nice, he's, really? he's last actually he's actually last oh wow uh uh any chance Tomlin could get practice in and then jet i i, I guess no it, not if it starts long. at noon yeah uh but uh the main takeaway is real complimentary uh words from uh from rondy barber about mike tomlin so 
And it did sound indeed like he's going to be uh, uh, Tomlin's going to be there. But if he if he's gone tomorrow, then who's running practice tomorrow? Good. Is it just uh, let the assistant coaches run it? I guess. Yeah, I guess we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know if Tomlin's ever missed a practice before. I'm not. I'm not criticizing for it. I just be, be certainly certainly a note if uh, if that did occur on Saturday. Uh, Dave, some NFL top 100, uh, which came out earlier this year. It's been weird the way that they've done it this year. It's been earlier. It's been on NFL Plus that nobody watches. But anyway, uh, three Steelers on the list in. Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick, uh, number 18 over TJ Watt, who was 27. Was that TJ Watt's ranking? That sounds right. Then Cam was what, 45th? Yes, he was 45th. So Cam 45, Watt was, I know, outside the top 25, and then Minka at 18, voted on by players. Don't mean a lot. Good for Minka to get recognition. I know that he's coming off the the injury season, but Watt should not be the 27th best player in the NFL. He should be much, much higher. Right. And, uh, you know, obviously people say, well, he missed so many games, but I mean, he's still TJ Watt. But I I guess it's all of the what have you done for me uh, lately uh, type 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 situation with that. But I mean, we went into this saying that those were those those three were going to be three that that landed in in the top 100. I was wondering if maybe a Frymouth, maybe a Highsmith could catch that 90 to 100 slot, but uh, neither of them did. I thought I thought Cam would get ranked lower than what he did, but I was happy to see Cam actually. I mean, obviously, you know, you could argue he should be better than 45, but I thought he would get put lower. So I was OK with him being uh, placed at number 45. I haven't looked at the whole thing in, in one viewing, you know, as far as where they're at now to 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 100 or whatnot. But it. uh especially when it comes to like edge rushers and all like that. But it feels like you could have made a pretty good argument to put uh Highsmith in at 199, right? Yeah. All he did was tie the league lead and force fumbles and was ranked six in the NFL in sacks last year. Seems to me he should be able to get a little bit of love. I'm not saying he has to be the, the 10th best player in, in football, but number 98, I think would have, would have been a fair spot for him, but um, maybe another big year. We'll finally get Highsmith some love. Yeah, look, if he follows it up with another 14, 15, 16 sacks, you know, and, and stays healthy and, you know, has a nice pressure rate and all like that, he'll, he'll end up on that list next year. Who do you think is the most nationally underrated player on the Steelers roster? And is it Alex Highsmith? <sighs> nationally underrated. Yeah, not by Steelers fans, not internally, not by the fan base, but just nationally that no one really talks about. That should be talked about. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think I think Highsmith qualifies for that. I think so too, because you don't hear his name because obviously he's overshadowed by T.J. Watt. It's hard to uh, to get a lot of love when T.J. Watt's the the center of conversation about the Pittsburgh Steelers edge rushers. But uh, I'd probably go Highsmith. I guess the view, the 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 ratings for that haven't. There's no way they've just stick that on uh, NFL Plus if if they weren't you know if they thought they could get ratings out of it, right? Yeah, that's probably true. Or they're trying to get people to go to NFL Plus, maybe, although I doubt it's working. I don't know what any of these networks and these people are doing. All right. All right, Dave, anything else you want to talk about today? Or do you want to get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show? Uh, I think we can get to a couple of reader emails here. Let me pull up the email machine on this, and we will start with. Scott writes in, hey, guys, you touched on this on a recent podcast, but I was wondering if you guys could please provide a dummies version explanation at this point in training camp prior to the cut down. What are the key differences to be aware of between the waived injured designation applied to running back Alfonso Graham versus being placed on the reserve injured list? What happened to uh, with what happened with uh, Corey Trice Jr.? Will Trice end up being paid uh, his first year compensation for the rookie contract he signed? And he says, how about uh, Graham? Also, are there any differences in how things work if a player is injured in OTAs, mini camp uh, versus in training camp? All right. First part of the question. Uh, here is, to the best of my knowledge, why you saw two two rookies go different paths here. First and foremost, with 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 Alfonso Graham, uh, you're talking about a you know a, a very unproven player, rookie on uh, a rookie undrafted free agent here. Uh, why send him through the waived injured point? I think it's more procedural for the fact that, hey, maybe somebody will claim him. And with his, with his injury being significant enough, uh, 
that he's, you know, there's probably not going to be an injury settlement there. He's going to go to IR on a split salary if he clears waivers. And if we expose him to waivers and someone says they can't live without him, we get out from underneath the $450,000 that he'll earn on IR on a split salary. That's why I think you see a lot of these younger players go the waived injured route, just procedural, just in case another team wants to claim him and get him out of the picture there. So uh, that that would be my take on that. With a guy like Corey Trice Jr., do you really want to expose a player like that to waivers? You know? Uh, uh, maybe there's, there's a team out there that he still ends up in the same, same situation here on IR. And with, with most players drafted from the fourth round and on, they have split salary clauses in their contract anyway. Uh, and such is the case with Corey Trice Jr. He'll earn 450,000, uh, uh, split salary on, on, on IR, uh, regardless, had he been waived injured and not get claimed that way. Uh, also, you, you know, I believe a, anytime you waive injure a guy like that, you're, you're basically, you know, voiding his contract, if you will. So uh, that would make him become an exclusive rights. You know, he, he would essentially become, an ex, I think, an exclusive rights free agent, in, in, in if memory serves me, in 2024, whereas you still, and plus you have the whole acceleration of the signing bonus and all like that on top of it, you know, uh, which means you would have whatever's left on 21,000 times three is like $60,000 in a dead money charge in 2024, I believe, if you had had waived him injured and he cleared waivers and he reverted back. So I think that's the difference there. You got a guy that you still have some some long-term roster hope for versus a guy that, I mean, let's face it, you know, uh, uh, and all due, due respect to, to Alfonso Graham, you know, probably going to go to Jeremy McNichols route, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as far as, so I think that's why you saw the difference in those two players that way. Uh, I hope that, I mean, that, that makes the most sense, right? When, when it yeah. comes to that, and he says, will Trice end up being his first paid his first year compensation? Yes, but it won't be the 750,000. He was originally scheduled to earn. It will be 450,000 on, 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 on a split contract because he's going to be on IR all year. And I would expect Graham just sounding it. it they have a week now, now that he's reverted to, to, to uh, IR. Uh, they have a week now to try to work out some sort of injury settlement with him. But if the shoulders uh, injury is significant enough and it matches McNichol uh, uh, from 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 last year, he's probably going to be on IR all season there. So and as far as any differences, how things work, uh, if a player is injured in OTAs and mini camp, I, really, I don't think there's any difference there. You just you'd have to decide uh, like on a guy like Trice, you know, do we just send him to IR right away? You know, sure. and, no, I, uh, as, as far as that goes, I mean, you still see, I think uh, guys waived injured uh, younger players versus sit straight to IR, you know, during OTAs think, of minicamp. I think the contract status is probably the thing that makes the most amount of sense about why I do straight IR as opposed to wave injured. Um, I think that's probably maybe the, the biggest reason why teams make that calculation. And just to kind of branch off of that, if anyone wondering, we still do not know exactly the extent of Trice's knee injury, which is still significant. Um, we can assume what some of those things mean, but we do not know for sure. Yeah, we don't know if it's ACL or, or or whatever, you know. Right. Hopefully it's not multiple ligaments. I'm a little worried about something like that occurring because um hopefully if it is ACL, it's it's only quote unquote only a clean ACL tear, but we don't know any information about the actual details. Okay, hopefully that clears that up for you, Scott. Uh Mark Miller writes in this one is for Alex. I know it's only three days of padded practice. But I was uh, curious if you have any thoughts on if we will see improved D-line play from this group compared to previous years. Cam, I think, will be Cam. But do you see anyone approaching his level of play, hoping Leal, Larry O, or one of the new guys can step up? So uh, he wants your take after just a handful of padded practices if you think we'll see improved D-line play. 
Well, I don't think anyone's going to reach cam levels, which is fine because trying to reach cam levels is a pretty high bar. They don't have to do that for this defense, this front to, to play well. Uh, I, I mean, I think Ogunjobi, if he's healthy, can have a good year. You know, Hayward's still running strong. I think Adams has looked good so far. They've added some some pieces in Benton. You do kind of wonder about that middle a little bit and the interior depth overall for this D-line. It's it's too hard to really make a conclusion based off a couple of padded practices so far about you know, do they look better. Um, there's some talent there, and we'll keep evaluating. But it, it's probably too early for me to make that any sort of conclusion or any any sort of even feeling about how much better, if it will be better, um, it, it could be for the D line. All right, buddy Nick Shuley back in the email says Alex and Dave injured reserve in the NFL has me baffled for some time now. Why is it that when some players get injured during camp, they can get designation to return but others do not obviously at the time of this email he says i do not know how severe Corey trice uh injury is also when a player is on ir are they still with the team yes a player on ir is still with the team uh he he is just on what they call uh uh you know, IR and specifically reserve injured reserve list and all uh the first part of your question here is uh why do some look for to to qualify to return for an uh, 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 designation to return? That player has to be on the initial week one roster. In other words, and the initial week one roster uh, happens a week before the actual week one game. So once a team cuts their initial roster down to fifty three active players. A player has to be on in, included in that 53-man group before he is moved to IR with a, a return designation. So if he does not make it to the initial 53, which once again happens before the week one game, then and if he's sent to IR before that, then he can't, he's not a designated to, he cannot be designated uh, to return. So that's why you'll see this team, you know, and God forbid, we're not talking about a lot, if any, but if, if one of, let's say your star guys gets injured between now and week one, he's, and, 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 and it's an injury that he, they think he can return during the season. They'll have to carry him on that initial 53 man roster, uh, before the week one game, and then a couple of days after setting that roster, you'll see that roster shuffling where he'll go to IR with the return designation, and then someone else will be added back to the roster, uh, you know, to 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 take his roster uh, spot there. So if any player goes to IR prior to the initial 53-man roster being set, he cannot be designated to return, i.e. you see just what happened with Corey Trice there. Uh, he immediately got shipped off to IR. He He's out for the season now. So that's, that's the differences between how players can be designated to return. They must be on that initial 53-man roster uh, to, to then go to IR and, and get the designated to return status. You said it well, Dave, don't have much more to add. I would just say an example of that to return was Calvin Austin last year carried initially. Remember they carried seven receivers on their initial 53 man roster. And then Austin went to a uh, IR designated to return. And uh, that that's kind of the procedure there. So, uh, but yeah, Trice is done for the year. He cannot come back. All right. Uh, Mario Brunell Br- Br- writes in guys should, should Darnell Washington, put on 20 pounds and switch to tackle way more money for him in the future. And we get to save a draft pick. Ozzie Newsom switch from wide receiver to tight end on his uh, coach's suggestion. Should Darnell do the same? He says, we don't need a third tight end the way we need an ultra athletic right tackle. Your thoughts. Yeah. I, that's not going to happen, Mario. I, 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 I would be surprised if that happened. Look, uh, I understand Darnell had a great, uh, weekend uh, practice in pads and some good reps about uh, T, uh, against TJ Watt and, and yada yada. But uh, no, he is he is a tight end. He's going to be a tight end in the NFL. Uh, I don't think this is a Alejandro Villanueva situation or anything along those lines. Uh, uh, I would be absolutely shocked if uh, they ask him to put on weight and move to move move to tackle. Or Larry Brown. 
who played tight end and then moved to tackle back in the seventies for the Steelers. But no, I mean, a, if you map that out, okay. Washington becomes a, a tackle. How does he get on the field? How does he help your team win this year? Right. You know, he's going to be the backup. So there'd be no, it'd be, be hurting yourself and hurting him by not letting him, him play. So uh, he's going to be a tight end and hopefully a good one. All right. Uh, Ron, this will be the final one. He says, I'll make it fast. Is it a lock that Mason, did we get to see uh, the other day or not? Is no, it a lock that Mason like. Rudolph makes the team? Seems like he's had an unflattering camp to date. He says, I can understand the desire to keep him since he's a vet and has familiarity with the team, but there has to be another quarterback with bigger upside available somewhere. Thoughts? I think he's locked to make it. I don't think they're looking for extreme upside with that, that quarterback spot. Um, I think they want a veteran. They want a guy with experience top to bottom in that room, a, a mentor, another set of eyes for a guy like Kenny Pickett. The only thing, and it may come up, and if it if it, if, it, if this occurs, come cut downs, it's going to become all of a sudden the biggest story in Pittsburgh. What if the Titans cut Malik Willis? And obviously, Pittsburgh had interest in him coming out. There's going to be a million articles, including probably from us, to be fair, written about Malik Willis getting cut by the Titans. So what do you do with that? I don't know. But that's the only thing that gives me any sort of pause. But, I mean, Rudolph is is here. He's cheap. And he's almost certainly going to be kept. I I tend to go that way. Although Mike Tomlin was asked about Morgan yesterday. It says he still has a shot, you know. Uh, Well, he says about Oladokun last year. And so, Right. Uh, I, I, you know. First and foremost, let's see if Morgan can even get into a game, into one of these three preseason games, you know, and and if he does, can he do anything once he gets in there? A guy like Tanner Morgan. Uh, Outside of that, uh, I I suppose it's plausible what you brought up about Malik Willis, but it's not like the the Steelers were the only team to show interest in Malik Willis either, you know. So where would they be in the waiver claim process and, you know, would would if they knew Malik was gonna get gonna get cut, would they would they trade for him? I kind of no, kind of doubt that would happen. Uh, so from where I sit right now, and I and, and if I'm reading Alex right, you know uh, Rudolph hasn't had a great camp, and boy, if he has a a, a bad preseason, you would think that it it sets up perfectly for a guy like Mason Rudolph to have a you know, a better than average preseason, you know, he's got to experience and be late in the games can get people mm-hmm. lined up. Right. And, and, and yada, yada, you know, you, you would at least expect him to have some success during the preseason, but what if he doesn't? Yeah, that's fair. We'll have to see why that is. Is it, is it his own mistakes? Is it, you know, obviously he's going to be playing with new people and rookies and that may cause some, some strain. Um, yeah, no Rudolph to me, it's not had a, not had a good camp, but He's at the point of his career where he's defined by more than just one camp. There's a there's a body of work there with him, which is not the most impressive body of work. But we're not he's not a rookie where you, all you can do is judge off of seven practices. So while it's not been to me very uh, sparkly and shiny of, of, a, of a camp for him, um, he's a guy that can still make it because of the weight of what he's done. Marcus Golden, similar story. His camps has seemed to be pretty quiet for me, but he's a veteran type that you're evaluating more than just a couple of practices when you evaluate him in his game. I agree. All right. Uh, got through the email machine there, and I think we're a little at an hour uh, long here, so we'll wind this down. No special edition of the Terrible Podcast Friday night after Friday Night Lights uh, because of how late it is, and the next one of those will be Saturday night after the Saturday practice. Uh, look for Alex uh, to have a full write-up of the Friday, assuming they get it in. Hopefully they do, knock on wood. Uh, Friday night after practice, late on SteedersDepot.com. Uh, and let's see, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot, follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora, follow the show at terrible podcast, email the show, the terrible podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause Steeders Depot.com, hit the donate button upright navigational bar. Also, if you'd like an ad free version of the site, Steeders Depot.com, hit the ad free button that way. So, uh, until I think Saturday night, as always, thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex.